0: You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. It's good to be here. Um, Last week, uh, Pastor Greg was sharing with us uh, a very compelling uh, message of instruction from Peter, where Peter tells us about um, honor and, and submission to people who are in authority in the world, and uh, this week he kind of continues this theme but in a very a significantly different direction and provides us with ample uh, content to discuss and talk about as uh, he turns to to spousal relationships husbands and wives it 's going to be good, so I look out and I see lots of married couples here today that 's good husbands and wives i 'm glad you 're here because uh the instruction from peter is is for you guys and i also see a lot of unmarried people and i'm also glad that you're here this morning don't check out simply because peter's instructions are to husbands and wives and i say this because well yes uh, specifically peter talks to husbands and wives Um, the application uh, the meaning and the heart behind what he says is very meaningful and applicable to all christians right as it reflects the gospel as it shows us God and, and how we are to uh, live in the world and relate to one another by and large, okay? So it's going to be good for, for all of us. Um, so let's read that. Let's read the passage together. Um, well, I'm going to read it. You don't have to read it aloud with me. Some churches do that, but we won't today. <laughs> it's cool. Sometimes it's cool. Uh, we won't do that today. We're in First Peter. We're starting chapter 3. We're in our sermon series titled Living Hope. So we're starting in chapter 3 of 1 Peter. And I'll be reading verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> Peter says this Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, As Sarah obeyed to Abraham calling him Lord and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening likewise husbands live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered pray with me now. Let's pray together. Lord God, I bless your name. I thank you that we have this word here and now, that you would speak to us through it. Holy Spirit, I ask that. I ask that you would speak to us and move in our midst, Lord, and move in our hearts. God, take away the hindrances that would prevent us from surrendering to you. In Christ, we set our eyes on you. As we share today in this passage, Lord, may your name be glorified in our church through and through. Come have your way with us, we pray. Amen. I was, uh, I was driving home from, from the church uh, last week. I had the radio on and I was listening to uh, The Drive aptly named radio show for the drive home it's called the drive on cbc2 with rich Turfry. and at the beginning of each show uh, each each uh, episode of the drive rich says we're going to play some music for you and share some stories for you to share around the dinner table tonight and we'll get you home with that or something along those lines and without fail every every day he delivers that's what he does plays the music and between songs, once in a while, he'll share something curious or interesting or hilarious that he's scavenged from the Internet. And so um, it came to that one of those moments in in the drive where um, the music had stopped and he was going to and he was sharing something with with us that he found interesting. And what it was this time was um, there's a university in Ontario. I don't remember the name of it. I I was driving, not paying particularly close attention, but one of the universities out east had uh, recently uh, released the results, the findings of a survey that they had done, right? So they uh, put out questions, they surveyed a large uh, sampling of people and asked them things. And what the survey was about was happiness, Okay, so it was, it was a sociological experiment or survey where they wanted to to find data and and a large number of answers about happiness, about what makes people happy, how they define it, uh, how they pursue happiness, and so on. It's a very, uh, you know, it's an age-old question, right? What makes us happy? So, um, the the you know they would have had many, many, many answers, but the thing that rose to the surface. You know, that they kind of were able to surmise and put forth as the result of the, the, the answers that they found from people. The reason or the source of human happiness they put out was, uh, was autonomy. That was the word that they, you know, above all other things that we could have that could make us happy, the one thing, the, the, the most, uh, relevant answer that people gave them was the a sense of autonomy okay now autonomy is um, it's being in the driver's seat right that's what autonomy is It's you're in the driver's seat autonomy is um, it's like freedom but it's uh, more empowered than that right like you have a say in fact you have the say you have the say in how Um, in your your actions and the outcomes, and ultimately in your destiny. You have control over the things that you do, the time that you spend, and so on. And so this is what people have said, is that if I have this, if I have a sense of autonomy above all else, if I just have that, that's the thing that will make me feel happy in life, that will make me feel like getting out of bed in the morning, and so on and so on. And there's other factors obviously that contribute to autonomy but that's kind of the the one word that they could tack on and and uh put out as the result of this survey and i found this uh i found the answer interesting and actually quite relevant right to to uh, today's sermon as well as some of the other ones from first peter Because this is true, I believe. I think that we are groomed to feel that we deserve or want or are driven by this sense of freedom and autonomy, right? That's kind of what the American dream is about, is is having the ability to control your own life, to have your own say. I call the shots and nobody else. But as we turn to Scripture, as we read the Gospel, and even in 1 Peter, last week, this week, and other weeks as well, 1 Peter's teaching us about humility. He's teaching us about submission, right? About laying yourself down, uh, loving in a selfless way. And so I couldn't help but ask myself if um, it's natural for us to struggle then with these things. If if culturally and personally, each one of us overall is driven by the desire to be autonomous and free and to call the shots, it's quite normal for us then to when we hear something like uh, today's passage or the other ones to not want to go there, to not want to be that way or to not want to be um, surrender to anyone. Right. But ourselves. So I wanted to bring this up just for us to keep in mind as we uh, go through the passage again and discuss it a little bit um, today. So we're going to do that. I will uh, break the passage into twos or threes. I'll unpack them, so to speak. And like I said, the uh, the direct uh, message from Peter is for uh, first for wives and then for husbands. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what he says to those people. But as well... I'm going to be putting out kind of general uh, applications, right, of or implications, perhaps, of what Peter teaches for, for all of us today. So I hope that's okay. Um, so at the beginning, let's talk about verse 1 and 2. Um, right off the bat, it's important, in fact, um, imperative even to... Pay attention and note that Peter's directions here are to married women. He addresses married women. So this means that Peter is not addressing all women by and large. Right? He's not addressing the female population of the earth. He's addressing wives. So what he's not suggesting is that all women are subject to all men. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. I wanted to put that out at the beginning. We'll talk about it some more as we go through, but it's there. This would be problematic in many ways if this was what he was saying. But it's interesting, though, that he doesn't say this because uh, popular culture that he was a part of in the Greco-Roman world would say that uh, women are subject to men across the board right thus this was the uh prevalent thought that was not only not only um you know underlying it was actually taught by the elite and the educated that women were um, less than men thus they were always to be subject to men and and so on and so forth okay Which is interesting. Peter does not go there. He keeps it specific. He's talking to a specific group of people in his church, a situation which he wants to address carefully. So he's asking wives to respect their husbands by living their faith in a way that may lead their husbands, even if they aren't believing, it may lead them to a faith in Jesus for themselves. This is also interesting in the context of of Greek culture, because secular Greek teaching would read that women were to only worship the gods that their husbands would select. Okay, women were not free um, on their own to to make choices when it came to religion and God and so forth. But Peter steps aside from that here as well. So Peter is disregarding the cultural thinking about submission in favor of the one true God, no matter what. And this is a good thing. So I think that some, that uh, any of us can apply this thinking in our faith as we consider how we relate to those who don't believe or obey God. Peter's advice for wives not to badger husbands to believe simply because they do. And this reminds me of verses uh, in Matthew five where Jesus teaches this matthew five sixteen he says, "Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your what your good works, and glorify your Father who, who is in heaven, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So what any of us can take from from First Peter, if we read this, is that while sometimes uh, discussion and direct conversation can help lead people to Jesus, help them understand who Jesus is, that more generally speaking, the way that we conduct ourselves is arguably the first and better tool for evangelism, right? For people who don't know God, who don't believe, the way that we conduct ourselves is important, and we've read about this previously as well. So moving on to verses uh, 3 and 4, Peter moves to the topic of vanity and uh, extravagant living. Let's read that. He says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So here we're called to see beauty uh, not in superficial terms, but inwardly. Right? We're called again away from the cultural standards of external beauty, which, um, you know, is is prized above all else in many cases. And, P- and Peter says, no, no, it's actually what's on the inside of a person that's important here. The reminder is timeless. There is a proverb in, in Proverbs 31:30 30, that says, "Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain." But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay, so all the beauty that any person could have, as wonderful as it seems, is actually in vain. It's temporarily and it's not what's important in the end. What matters is that Christians are people who are beautiful because of who is inside of them, right? We are beautiful because of the change that God is making in our hearts and in our lives. And if that's what we display to the world, they will be... Um, in fact, drawn to God through it. In in 2 uh, Corinthians, Paul encourages us to not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So this is the process that Peter um, points out to us, right? We aren't saved to continue to chase after uh, temporary fascinations or material wealth or worldly status or any of these things which we uh, may have been driven by in the past. We pursue that which is precious in the sight of God, not of man. Our treasure lies in heaven, not on this earth, right? And so the Christian ideals of beauty... Thus, should not be based on uh, what the world necessarily values as beautiful. But we're concerned with God's image within each person and building that. So this is good. Uh, Let's continue verses 5 and 6. Peter is kind of talking more about what he's just said. Uh, For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. When I read about uh, Sarah calling Abraham Lord, I was curious about that because it sounds kind of weird, right? We, uh, out of context, that would be a bit strange for us to go around calling one another lord for for wives to call their husbands lord so i i wanted to see if there um you know what peter was referencing and there is a specific instance and it's actually kind of um kind of funny so i thought i would read it um in genesis 18 this is when uh the lord comes to abraham and and sarah to uh make the promise of offspring right of of uh, generations to come from abraham that would indeed be god's people and so uh the lord is speaking to abraham through through his servants and 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 he's making these promises to abraham but the problem is uh, if you know the story uh the problem is that um abraham and sarah are, are really really old okay and so, as the, uh, God speaks to Abraham and makes these promises, Sarah is in the next room, and she can overhear what's being said. And she laughs, right, when when she hears that that she's going to have children and, and whatnot. She laughs, and and she she thinks it's hilarious. She says to herself, "After I'm worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I still have pleasure?" So this is where uh, Sarah calls Abraham Lord. is um, in, uh, I'm, I'm glad that Greg and Audrey think it's funny. Nobody else really, but it is. To me, it's lighthearted. Uh, that uh, I don't know. It's, it doesn't have the severity that it sounds like when we read. Um, you know, if we just read it and and quickly pass it by. In Peter's teaching, um, it's it's. I think the the basic idea is that. What Sarah did was even in a seemingly ridiculous scenario, um, her attitude towards her husband still was it was not slanderous or hurtful or or anything like that. She was laughing and and maybe she even said it kind of sarcastically, but she wasn't, you know, calling him names or being uh, being rude or hurtful towards Abraham. She was she was loving. Wives, speak with love and respect to your husbands. And I love, I love how verse six finishes. It says, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So here we get the idea that women are called to fear only God, right? And that's because of that they can live fearlessly, which is awesome. The fear of the Lord produces uh, a fearlessness for all else. This is good. So Peter has just spent six verses um, instructing Christian wives. And after this, he will spend all of one uh, verse instructing Christian husbands. But this is—I think this is important—as um, as I you know, read some commentaries and whatnot, they suggested that uh, Peter would spend this much time uh, instructing the wives of the church, um, partly because of it was an actual need in the church, right? He wasn't doing it for no reason. Um, but Greg mentioned last week the trials and persecutions that uh, you know the christian church was undergoing with the certain emperors who were in power um, and the 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 place of vulnerability that the church was often felt they were in as they were uh, expanding and growing at the beginning so peter is spending his time addressing those who are not in a position of privilege to begin with, as it reflects the, the general overall uh, place of the church and the, the image that the church carries within that context, okay? Peter takes care in addressing women as they bear the image of the church itself. So with that said, Peter instructs husbands with the words in uh, verse 7, Saying this, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So, husbands, I hope that you were paying attention to the part about wives, because he begins by saying, likewise. Likewise, husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way. So what Peter's teaching husbands, what Peter is teaching husbands to do is to not manipulate their wives or lord over them, right? Peter nips that in the bud right away he says, showing honor to the woman, honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. So immediately, he's telling husbands to never exploit their wives' weaknesses. What are husbands to do? They are to honor their wives, treat her with honor. In weakness and in strength, as we say in our wedding vows, right? In weakness and in strength, never exploit anyone's weaknesses, right, spouses? We get to know each other's weaknesses uh, very well. We get to know what makes each other tick, as well as what ticks each other off. And so we have an opportunity there to, um, if we're divisive, to exploit those weaknesses, right? To to use them against our spouse. And, and Peter knows this. And he says, no, no, no. That's not what we're to do. We're going to honor one another and not exploit each other's weaknesses. Husbands, honor your wives. <clears throat> so peter calling the wife the weaker vessel naturally makes probably most of us think that peter is a sexist right that's how it sounds when we read him say that it's uh for us for for someone you know if we if we heard someone say that now we would probably call them out and say what, what are you talking about like have you have you met my wife she's not weak <laughs> She's training to run a marathon. I can barely i can't keep up That's what I'm saying um, Kerline is anything but weak. Um, women are not weak so so why then like what's why would come on come on Peter, what are you saying? The problem is Peter's not here to uh interview. I wish he was It would be an interesting conversation if we could have him perhaps explain himself a little bit more um i would i would i would want to hear why he says that um but scholars suggest that if the only uh the only explainable or or or, uh i don't even want to say rational but the, the only argument that holds water for why um, Peter would say the weaker vessel would be in terms of, of physical strength, okay? That's probably, like he's not, again, he's not using the uh, popular cultural language, which puts women down in general and says that they're lesser for the rest of his teaching. So here he wouldn't be doing that either. Um, so maybe he knows that if husbands are are you know, bigger or stronger in some way that they would be prone to use that to lord over uh, their wives and, and exploit them and manipulate them. And that's why he says to husbands, don't do that, okay? So like I said, we can't take him to court over this, although it would be interesting if we could. He's not here um, <clears throat> but what we can know about weakness and in a biblical context when we hear this word it brings us to the person of Christ right when we hear about weakness it brings us to the person of Jesus Jesus himself became uh, the weaker vessel so to speak right when he humbled himself and became a human being, though he was God, he came to earth and dwelt among us. He became the weaker vessel. Jesus embodied humility and meekness in his, his birth, his life, and his death on the cross. So it could be argued then that the call for husbands honoring wives in whatever weakness Peter is referring to, it could be argued that this is not a subjugation of women in general. But it's actually an opportunity for husbands to recognize and honor the Christ-likeness that the wife carries. Do you see that? An example that we discussed a while ago thoroughly was the Beatitudes. Jesus speaks blessing on those who the world views as weak or less honorable. Jesus blesses those who the world would see as weak or less honorable. The gospel then upholds those who the world would dismiss. It's countercultural, right? So Christian men are called to go against that current and honor their wives rather than. Um, antagonizing or putting them down why because before God men and women are equal it says it right here listen again husbands live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands, your wives are heirs with you of the grace of life, okay? Women and men alike are both saved by the same grace found in Jesus. All people are equal in their inheritance set forth by Christ and achieved at his return. So when husbands and wives or just people generally, are tempted to treat one another with prejudice, with uh, sinful pride, or put one another down for any reason. What Peter teaches is, no, you're fallen, you're both fallen. We're all fallen and in need of grace. That's what grace means, right? We're receiving what we don't deserve from God. So with this, he calls us to move forward into the new life we've received, not dragging one another down. This reminds me of Galatians three, twenty-eight to 29. It tells us more about what this looks like. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Notice the similarity with First Peter talking about Sarah and Abraham. Then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. This is the result of what Jesus has done. Is to reset the worldly inequalities in the systems which are built up to put certain people down and lift other people up and so on and so forth. With Jesus in the kingdom of God, that's leveled. And we're all loved equally and receive the same grace. So with this, all of us are invited to receive and to know the promise of right relationship with God through his son. We are called to love God because Christ has first loved us. Even while we were in rebellion against God, even as we uh, were or have been or are being driven uh, by by our our desire for autonomy and, and selfish happiness, right? Christ loved us first and he called us back to him to surrender. Like I said, Christ exemplified this. He chose to become weak, to show what this would look like, Let's surrender and love to God the Father is and in order to make a way for you and I to know to know Him and be in relationship with Him. And the beauty of all of this is that by surrender, by surrendering to God and, and, and knowing Him and giving our lives back to God, we get to trade the never-ending pursuit of happiness, right? We get to trade off... Our, our drive for autonomy and 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 um, self actualization and power, we trade that off for the freedom that God has for us and that we've that we're longing for in the first place. Because the desire we have to to live autonomously and to find happiness and freedom is but a refraction, right? It's 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 uh, um, it's a refraction of the. The true desire that we have to know and be known by god and to be free as his children freedom through christ so this morning again we have the opportunity to to come before god to come to the cross and and to surrender to him to accept this to accept jesus gift of selfless love it's at the cross where God invites us to lay down our burdens our sins to lay everything down before Him to receive the love that He freely gives. Before we do that I, I just want to pray and say Lord we again we bless your name. Uh, God as as we've uh, shared in the scripture today Lord I I Again, ask Holy Spirit that you would uh, you would speak to us, God. That anything that uh, I've been unable to say, or or, or if, if anything has um, been confusing or or mistaken, Lord, that instead, God, that we would uh, hear you and what you have for us. God, I pray for our church. I pray for. Um, the marriages here, Lord, that you would build them up, build up husbands and wives into uh, godly, loving, um, selfless partnerships, Lord, that would move forward to advance your kingdom, God, in this city, Um, Lord, show us what what this looks like, how we can indeed, God, let our, our good works uh, shine before men and point people to you. And now, God, we, we praise you and worship you for sending your son, Jesus, for the love that was... Not only shown, but that was provided for us. And the access that was made, God, for, for all people to come to you and know you through your Son, Jesus. We bless your name. We thank you for this. Amen.